understanding that and vetting the systems and getting it implemented was definitely a challenge. Not, it was not easy. You know, I don't think any system implementation is, is easy. It definitely requires a lot of nurturing of the systems of the team because, you know, of course, like up front, it seems like a great option. But once you start getting very technical and building it out and such for your needs and building out the workflows, you're like, oh my gosh, like this is it. Are, are we sure we made the right decision? Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now... Here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at the independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm Elevate IQ. While the products get the most attention in a manufacturing company, the packaging is equally important when it comes to the CPG world. Also, the systems and operational needs are completely different when we compare different players in the packaging industry, starting from packaging suppliers, packaging R&D organizations, and consulting companies. They all might require multiple systems in the architecture to ensure that the ERP systems are not being over-engineered and the specialized systems can talk seamlessly. In today's episode, our guest, Megan Young-Gamble, shares her insights into building the systems for the packaging industry. She discusses various players and stakeholders involved in the packaging industry and their roles as it relates to process collaboration in the packaging industry. Finally, she provides her insights into the process differences of R&D versus manufacturing and different systems that might be part of the enterprise architecture for a packaging company. Let me introduce Megan to you. Megan Young Gamble, PMP, and the Project Execution Her is a forward-thinking packaging and project management veteran with more than 10 years of experience transforming more ideas into consumer product goods for today's leading beauty, wellness, and personal care brands. Known amongst colleagues, and clients for her perseverance and see it through mentality. Megan, the project execution her, is the owner and principal consultant of Get Level Consulting, where she interprets your company pain points into custom solutions to execute your project from beginning to end. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hey, Megan, welcome to the show. Yes, thank you, Sam, for having me. I'm excited to be here with you all. And I am super pumped as well, because the kind of stories that you are going to have, you know, I live in the world of integration, uh, and my business audience don't really understand how difficult integration could be. And anything related to ERP integration is always going to be so much fun. So I'm going to enjoy this so much. Just to kick things off, do you want to start with your personal story and your current focus, Megan? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. So hello, everyone. My name is Megan Young-Gamble. I am known as the Project Execution Her and Principal Consultant at G-Level Consulting. And we are an operations management firm that helps provide packaging solutions to startup and legacy brands to help pimp your packaging from conception to distribution to your retail shelf, whether that's in a brick and mortar store or through an e-commerce platform. And with my, with me actually starting my business at G-Level Consulting, a lot of things actually helped me get to this place because I took a lot of detours to reach this destination. So what actually led me into getting into the packaging industry is number one, my expertise and love of project management. Yep. So I am a, a project management professional through Project Management Institute and have worked in various industries such as transportation, R&D for research and development, also logistics, as well as the health and beauty field. So with me actually working within the corporations in various industries and my love of project management, it actually helped me to work in my last corporate job where I was working for a health and beauty company based out of Atlanta, Georgia. And I was the project manager overseeing at that time, two of their respective in-house brands, two out of the three at that time. And then was promoted to then oversee all three of the brands in-house, help with the acquisition of of a fourth brand into the company, Uh, promoted to operations manager. And during my time and expertise there, that is when I actually had the opportunity to do a lot of research of different systems to incorporate within product development and really from a packaging focus. And so we were looking at integrations for ERP systems. We were looking at packaging specification systems at that time and was really honored that I was really leading those efforts with vetting the different companies based upon our needs and everything, as well as how does it roll up to the ERP system with the subsidiary um, system that we were looking to integrate within the product development team. So that has been my experience from implementation to, excuse me, vetting implementation, um, requirements gathering, um, training, user acceptance testing, and more, and even how that information for the system that I was overseeing, respectfully for the packaging specification and artwork, how that information rolled up to the ERP system that we were utilizing within the company. So it's definitely been a very fun journey. And now with my expertise, you know, from working in corporations and helping with trainings, um, with onboarding and doing the train the trainer method. Yeah. I incorporate that within my practice, skill level consulting, where we help serve as the train your trainers yeah. and also helping to serve as part of your execution team with user acceptance testing and yeah. helping with some of the requirement gathering for those systems that corporations are really seeking to incorporate and help them operate, operate better, be more efficient, and also help them with the ways that they work. Um, for those who know Agile, um, you understand the ways of working um, or WOW. So those are what we do now at Gillespie Consulting, um, really focusing on the packaging aspect and really excited to, you know, be here with you all today. Very, very, very cool. So obviously there are a lot of layers that I would love to dig into. But before we do that, we have (laughs) one of the standard questions that we ask every single guest, Megan, and that is going to be your perspective on business growth. 
Oh, that's such a loaded question. And I really it like is. that question. Yeah. Because, um, you know, it's a question that we can always ask ourselves every single day. Right. But what I would say, you know, with me transitioning from the corporate world to my independent practice is to, number one, get out of your own comfort zone. That's the biggest thing. A lot of times we're so used to operating, you know, based upon the routine and we just yep. go through the mundane process and we start to become complacent and become comfortable. Right. But the biggest thing is getting out of your own comfort. So, yep. you know, for me, having this conversation with you and being on this podcast, you know, is getting out of my comfort zone. You know, working on my speaking abilities is getting me outside of my comfort zone. How I go and introduce my company and myself to people is getting me out of my comfort zone. So that is the biggest thing, you know, from a business growth perspective is yep. to get out of your own comfort zone because you never know where that may take you, you know, for the multiple detours you know, from my experience I've taken, it's helped me reach my destination now. And if I was scared of taking those detours, I would not be where I am now. So I would say that's my biggest piece of advice is to get out of your own comfort zone because you never know what the opportunities that would come um, just by doing so. And the conversations that will evolve, you know, the meetings and the tables that you sit at, or even how somebody may introduce you know, you and your company when you're not even present. So all of those things makes a difference to help with the growth. And of course, there's multiple and various aspects to, you know, to that as well with growth, with business growth. But I would say that would be my number one piece of advice, you know, just speaking from my experience, transitioning from corporate world into um, independent world with my practice. Yeah, could not agree more. Get out of your comfort zone. I think that's the best advice that we I have personally received on this podcast as uh, far as the the business growth goes. So now, uh, you know, we are going to be touching on those layers that I was talking about. And one of the layers, the unique layer that we have in this podcast is going to be, uh, you know, obviously, when we look at the manufacturers, distributors, retailers, they all understand how packaging how the world of packaging works. But as such, when we look at the nuanced stakeholders that are going to be part of the packaging industry, because in my mind, when I look at the business model of any company, there are going to be various components of any company that define the business model. And typically business model dictates, uh, you know, how their business processes are going to be. And if they are going to be similar to the other companies in the same industry or not. So even inside the packaging industry, there are going to be multiple players involved and they could be completely distinct from the business process perspective, they are going to have completely different, uh, you know, operational need, the system needs. So here, when we look at the business model, I personally look at the channels, uh, they drive and dictate how your business model is going to be. Your products, what kind of products are you selling? The size, the complexity of the products, uh, then the transactions, contracts, agreements. These are some of the things that define the business model. So now when we look at the, the packaging players, if I were to analyze, let's say, packaging industry, obviously, any of the manufacturers, retailers, they are going to be outsourcing the packaging component. That's very, very, very common. Okay. So how many players do we have in the industry and how are they going to be operationally different when you compare player one to player two, group of players one, group of players two? Yeah. So very loaded question. So I'm going to definitely try to dissect this a little bit more because okay. there's so many layers in itself. Yeah. Um, so who are all the players that come to the table, you know, within the packaging industry? Everybody. So you have 
some of your packaging share um, stakeholders would be R&D, so yep. research and development. And before I go into some of the, sh- the stakeholders, like I'll just kind of talk about it, you know, with my experience in the beauty, wellness and health industry. Right. So within that industry and within packaging itself, you have R&D. So the research and development teams are the ones who are actually working with the marketing teams, working with the brands to actually collect the requirements. What's our time frame for launch? What type of product, you know, is it? How is it differing than what's in the marketplace? Looking at competitive analysis and more. And as well as where is it going to be launched? Is it yep. just in the U.S., Canada, or is it international? Yep. Because international in the EU has different regulations and ingredient profiles than Australia and Africa and China. Yep. So understanding that with the research and development team and the brand owners and marketing team is really critical. So some of your other stakeholders involved is definitely going to be your product development team. Right. They're usually the ones who are executing the ex- aspects, collecting the requirements based upon the initial brief that has been submitted from your R&D and your marketing teams and your brand owners. Next, you have the manufacturer. So those who are actually producing your respective packaging components, whether that's primary packaging, um, which is actually touching your formulations or your product, secondary packaging, like your labels, your product boxes, um, and also like your master shippers. So your tertiary packaging and maybe quaternary packaging. So you're starting to work with your manufacturers on two ends. So you have your manufacturers for the products. So like creating your formulations and such, as well as the manufacturers of packaging. So you have those going simultaneously um, based upon your timelines and such and the lead times to create those products. Okay. Then next, of course, you have regulatory. You cannot launch any product in the marketplace without regulatory department. Um, Regulatory and quality really go hand in hand because they both should be critical at the beginning of development, but you have regulatory in place. Then you have also your sales team. They need to know what is the product, what is the efficacy, how is it going to pay off, how is it differing than what's in the marketplace. Yep. Then looking at your retailers, you know, that's how people buy your products. Yeah. So in the retail space, how is this product going to be different than what we already have on our shelves now? Yeah. How is this product going? To, what innovation do we have back behind your product? Yeah. And more. Then, of course, your consumers. Your consumers is your number one piece of feedback. They're the ones giving you know feedback on it and helping you as the brand to know how to continuously improve or iterate this product for you know the next um, the next production line cycle for the next launch from a global perspective, um, expansion into different territories and more. So I just shared a lot of different stakeholders just within the packaging world from just my experience. And those are all the players, you know, those are players required at the table. And of course, we can't forget about the finance team because, of course, that's how you get the investment to get the product into your warehouse and get into the retail stores for placement and looking at the sales come through and knowing your product forecast that then goes back to your product development and your supply chain teams. Yeah. And, you know, it's a whole, you know, it's a whole circle. So it's a lot of stakeholders involved in the process, you know, within packaging and product development. So every person is critical. You know, there is no one party that should be operating or creating a product um, on their own or in silos, because that's how you're going to lose all the touch points and critical elements for launching a product in the marketplace. 
So those are a lot of the stakeholders involved in the process. Of course, we can go a little bit more in depth, you know, depend upon each industry and such. But from my experience, those are some of the key players that are at the table. Yeah, very interesting. So I am probably going to add one more layer on top of the industry classification. So now that we understand the different players involved and now we understand, you know, what are different challenges that they are going to face and how they are going to be operationally different. Now, when your operations are going to be different, your system needs are going to be different as well because your processes, the way your processes are structured, they typically dictate, okay, what kind of system do I need? And typically processes are made of two things. Number one, human element, number two, system element. And both need to be talking to each other very well. So when we look at your industry players such as R&D, right? In case of R&D, and when you look at the ERP systems, they tend to be very biased towards operations, manufacturing, uh, you know, finance. They are not as friendly to the R&D operations because if you look at the, the operations of a manufacturer, they typically don't do as much R&D, to be honest. Okay, They typically outsource. It's very rare. And if they are going to do, be doing a lot of R&D, typically that is very operationally disconnected overall uh, from the plant floor. So when you look at, let's say, the R&D organization, like their bread and butter is real R&D. So for them, the R&D is a big deal and they are going to have very different system needs than a manufacturer. So have you experienced similar things when you were working with these companies? Have you found any systems that were limiting for the R&D operations versus the manufacturing operations? Do you want to talk about different systems that are going to be relevant for all of these players and how many systems are going to be required for all of these players? Oh, okay, Sam. So you keep asking these heavy loaded questions. Like it's so many layers to it. And I, I definitely appreciate the question. Um, so we can, we can go question. on for five hours in this discussion. We are yeah. going to have so much fun. <laughs> I know. I know. So it's great. And, you know, it has me thinking about it and reflecting on my experience, too. So answering one of your questions, you know, with systems with R&D, you know, are there systems out there? Absolutely. You know, it can it be geared to R&D? Yes. But however, I should say, however, with R&D, because it's at the beginning of development and to your point, a lot of these systems are on the back end of the operations once everything is already finalized. Right. But. However, with R&D, I feel that there is an opportunity to have a system incorporated at the beginning. And the reason I say that is because, say, for instance, if I'm launching a beauty product and know that I wanted to go into Sephora, you know, in the U.S. and Canada, they have certain requirements and restrictions on your product ingredients that can be in the formulations. And so having systems that similar to like Novi, N-O-V-I, or Audit, A-D-I-T, those um, platforms are really good, especially from R&D, because it starts to help them get quicker information of if a ingredient profile is restricted yeah. upfront or if it's compatible to be part of the clean beauty and such um, within the space. So those systems definitely work from an R&D perspective because it starts to look at your ingredient profile um, of what's restricted, what's not restricted within clean beauty space and where you're launching your product in yeah. the market because U.S. versus Canada versus international. So those are systems that definitely could work great from the R&D perspective. Now, there are other systems that would definitely have to be incorporated, you know, throughout the other stakeholders that are involved in the process. So, for instance, product development, they can definitely be utilizing some of those, like the two systems that I mentioned, Novi and Audit you know, to help with understanding the ingredients profile, looking at what packaging 
um, guidelines are in place or restrictions are in place for launching a product in Sephora, as my example. Yeah. So those platforms are definitely important. However, there are additional platforms that are necessary. So with the systems that you're talking about and how they integrate or connect with each other. Yeah. So launching a product in the marketplace, all information has to be printed on some type of packaging. Right. So whether it's a bottle with the label or directly onto the bottle or yeah. onto your voting carton, even that information has to go through a system to ensure that all stakeholders who are involved in the process for launching this product before it goes to the market Everybody needs to align on the information that's on there, especially to make sure that it's compliant. So regulatory and quality are important. So that's where looking at systems similar to Web Center or ESCO to um, SpecRite, which is a packaging specification management system, is important. Yeah. Um, to and it's other systems out there as well. But with those two systems that I mentioned, they're looking at the packaging specification and management of it. Okay. So you start to have a central repository of it. So if you start to decide for this product going into Sephora, I now want to expand from U.S. and Canada now into the EU, now into China or what have you. You can have your central repository and look at your information that was printed on the packaging for that product to then see if it's compliant or if you need to make modifications based upon that market you're going into. And so those systems are able to have your information readily stored yeah. and have your version control in place and look at your specifications that you have. Yeah. You know, if I need to change the substrate of a label, if I need to change, you know, the placement of this bottle, if I need to change the pump, you know, to be a dropper or what have you. So I'm looking at all of those elements, you know, for all the stakeholders involved. And even with all the stakeholders involved, you know, you still have, you know, communication with retailers. So yeah. some of those specification systems can communicate directly with the retailers, um, like Audit and Novi. Yep. They're backed by retailers. They're already telling you embedded out the systems to let you know these these ingredients are compliant for Sephora, for Target, for whatever other retail stores they may be, yeah. you know, that you want to get placement in. So it's a lot of different moving parts to it, of course. And then, of course, how you extract that information for it to roll up to an ERP system from an right. operation standpoint, you know, from your item numbers to your bill of materials to, you know, what's the item number for the formulation that was created at the contract manufacturer yeah. and such. So we know how to improve it and, you know, and, you know, we have that, you know, the um, version history and control and integrating that, those things in there and integrating those images to your ERP system. So when it does get to the warehouse, they have a physical picture. They know how to scan and receive it in for the master card. So a lot of systems are definitely critical um, to help with the execution um, of products in the marketplace, yep. especially with looking at all the key players, you know, as we talked about earlier for the process. You know, I think. In the beauty world, it requires a little, uh, quite a bit of systems. Yeah. Um. You know, from my experience, I'm open to you know speaking with somebody that does have an all-in-one inclusive ex no. Um, system. There's no way. But you know, there's there's I have not seen that. You know, so it does take multiple systems to meet the you know outcome and the ultimate goals of the company. But it definitely requires you know to understand what's the requirements and where all stakeholders need to be visible and have input on the project and the products that are being created to then know what's the right system to yeah. incorporate for them 
to get to help with gaining their buy-in. So very, very, very cool. And typically, you know, this is what I see in my experience as well. When I'm talking to any customers, you know, they are probably going to require four to five to 10 different systems, depending upon the business processes. And as you know, the business models are getting far more complex these days. The way Mm -hmm. these retailers, I mean, they are trying to gain the efficiency. They are going to dictate a lot of things from their perspective that if you want to do business with me, I mean, you are better off being digitally savvy. Otherwise, I'm going to cut loose, right? So (laughs) (laughs) so, uh, here, when we look at these systems, one of the problems that we typically encounter in the ERP implementations in the systems world is always going to be, okay, you have so many different systems and so many systems, meaning so much confusion, okay? Everybody is trying to claim they can do a lot of things. I will give you an example, okay? (laughs) If you look at any system, they are all going to claim that I can do inventory management. They don't even understand what inventory management really means to be honest, okay? They -hmm. are defining inventory management from their perspective. And typically, when you as the project manager, let's say, if you are the project manager leading this engagement and you are working with five different vendors, one vendor is going to be Novi or Audit. The second is going to be Web Center and SpecRite. The third is going to be, I don't know, Stage X3, NetSuite, whichever uh, ERP system you are trying to implement, right? Now, these guys are going to be fighting with each other, right? And so your role is going to be to define the process boundaries of each of the system. If you cannot define the clear boundaries for each of the system and what is going to be their roles and responsibilities, one of the system is going to be over-engineered and that is actually going to fire back. And that's why most of the ERP implementations fail. So now, mm-hmm. when you are going to define the process boundary for let's say Nobi or RS versus your uh, you know, web center of spec, right? How would you define the process boundaries for the system and what is going to be their role in the architecture for a packaging company? Oh, good question. So first and foremost, I'd like to understand what's the current state. What okay. is our current process um, yeah. before we implement anything? What is the pain point? Yeah. What are the bottlenecks and challenges amongst all the stakeholders? Yeah. And then based upon that information, that is when all parties, all stakeholders need to be at the table. Right. So we can discuss the findings that were actually found based upon the current state. Right. So from my experience within current state situations, when I've done this, you know, I realized marketing team, you know, they do all the initial vetting and determine what's the product launch time frame. But yet the product development team doesn't know what products are being pitched to retailers. Right. And so they're having to expedite their time frame because now it's speed to market. We have to get this in speed to market to the retailers. Yeah. And so there's a lot of things that are missed because there's not proper communication from the marketing team and product development team. Right. That's an example of a current state, you know, one of the current state situations. Another one was, you know, once once everything was manufactured and we yeah. went through and had everything from a packaging artwork and specification standpoint approved by all brands. Yeah. You know, not get because of speed to market, we weren't able to get samples in time to review it. Yeah. So then because it was going straight to retail. Yeah. And so there was missed opportunities there because certain brand owners may not have had visibility on their product or may not have seen what happened or they was like, I was out of office. So somebody else approved this on my behalf and the approver for the brand doesn't have the same type of review process as the brand owner. Right. So those are some situations, you know, that was similar, you know, from what I experienced from a current state situation. And so understanding and identifying those challenges and those bottlenecks and what is the desired outcome from those 
from all the stakeholders, was then able to get everybody at the table to display this is what the current state is. And we every department had their own little color sticky notes so we can actually keep track of who all is involved in the process. Right. So process improvement. Yeah. And so understanding the current state, we then was able to formulate, OK, what are some of the top three immediate needs? OK, because at the end of the day, everybody has needs. Right. Yep. And has wants and requirements. Yeah. And when you have 10 key stakeholders involved. You know, plus your sponsor, which is a lot of times the CEO and the finance team who are backing your projects from a financial standpoint, they're like, well, what's in it for me? What do I get out of this? And how is it going to be beneficial for my team and me to do my job? Because I still have to do my job in marketing, but product development, you you know, y'all should be able to figure it out. So with that being stated, that's where it's like, okay, what is the company goals? What is the company's mission? And understanding that, you know, within the current timeframes and also within three to five years, because that helps us to identify what is the right system to incorporate, you know, as we're growing. And so a lot of times, you know, I feel that we get systems to accommodate us for present day. Yeah. A lot of times we don't incorporate systems and processes for our future state as we're growing as well. And so understanding that and realizing that that is how we were then able to narrow down who are the respective vendors we should look at for the systems based upon everybody, all the key stakeholders, pain points and the challenges and the top three needs. Yeah. And the top three needs at that time was we need a central repository system to keep track of all of our packaging elements. Yeah. Number two, we need a a packaging um, artwork specification system that can um, roll up to our ERP system, which was X3 or Sage at that time. And then number three, we need to be able to have better version control and communications with contract manufacturers. Um, from a packaging standpoint where we can send our artwork directly to them through the system, as well as potentially with retailers. So that was a future state outcome, but that was an important goal because it helped cut down on the correspondence via email directly with retailers and contract manufacturers. And then sending PDF proofs and getting lost and files too large and stuff. So we needed a system to be able to share our assets directly to them to help save time. They see exactly what we see and it's live time. So everything is timestamped. So by identifying those top three needs, that is how we were able to determine the vendors, determine the future state process, and also what training looks like in a rollout phase approach within the organization as well, which I led all those efforts at within the corporation as well to then roll and work with this team that was actually integrating the ERP system simultaneously with me integrating this packaging artwork specification system. So it was a lot of stakeholders involved, but that is pretty a high level overview of what I did. So looking at the current state, identifying the bottlenecks with all the key stakeholders, getting everybody to the room to actually display what everybody showcased identify what is the company goals um, within the current time frame in the uh, one, three, and five years. Yep. And also what is our top three goals um, amongst all the stakeholders that we can align on and then having a system that is going to be able to grow with us for the growth that we're going to have, you know, within the next three years, next five years in, in ahead. So those are some of the things that I did that was very helpful, um, you know, with integrating the system and looking at the process standpoint yeah. and incorporating the human element, as you talked about as well, you know, with identifying what's the right place and the right process to incorporate to then lead to the right system. 
Very, very, very cool. So you have been touching on three different terms during this conversation. Number one is your specification. Number two is going to be formulation. And number three is going to be bill of material. Okay. Now, mm -hmm. when you look at the traditional ERP system, most of them, they are going to be focused on manufacturing. Most likely they might support, let's say, bill of material. They don't necessarily have the accommodation for the formulation and the specification. Kudos to you. You found Sage X3 system which actually supports both the uh, you know, process manufacturing as well as discrete manufacturing. There are not a lot of systems that can do both because it gets right. very tricky overall, right? Yeah. When you are managing the formulation, formulations are very complex the way formulations work. And the more complex your formulation is going to be, BOMP can definitely not do that. And that's the foundation right. for your ERP system. So if you are going to go off your ERP system, going to manage these formulations in your spreadsheet, you know, you are going to have tons and tons of versions that are going to be outside of the system. So for the right. people who don't really understand the difference between BOMP, okay, the formulation, as well as the specification, do you want to paint colors in terms of the, the product structure? Maybe describe a bomb. You know, what is a bomb? What is a formulation? How formulation is different and how specification is going to be different from these two? Oh, okay. So, so with the bomb bill of materials within our space, we are creating the bill of materials based upon your product. So working okay. at the contract manufacturer for your formulation. So the formulation is pretty much your product. So if I am creating a lip gloss, Lip gloss is my favorite beauty product. Yeah. So if I am creating a lip gloss, the actual lip gloss, the product that I apply is the formulation. So do I want it to, as a consumer, do I want it to be sheer or a matte finish or a glossy finish? Yeah. Do I want it to have a like glittery effect or do I want it to be a solid color? Yeah. So understanding some of those things and where and also the price point, you know, that's really important too. And how I apply it. Is it, you know, just a lip applicator with a metal tip or a plastic tip? Yeah. Or is it one that I pull it out and it has a doe foot applicator to apply directly onto my lip? So understanding those things is really important from an R&D and formulation standpoint, because that then determines what type of viscosity or thickness the lip gloss needs to be, which then determines what type of packaging we need to do. Um, if it should be in a bottle, if it should be in like a lip glass, uh, excuse me, lip gloss bow component, or if it yep. should be in an actual, like in a dropper applicator or what have you. And so understanding those things is really important. So we can then bill out the bill of material. So you have your formulation, the product, like the, creating the lip gloss. Yep. Then you have your primary packaging. So if it's going to be if it's going to be a lip gloss valve component with the doe foot applicator, you know, we have to accommodate for those components on the bomb, excuse me, on the bomb. Next, if I have to utilize a label to print all the information, such as the ingredient list and the product weight inside of the packaging, yep. then that is going to be um, your secondary packaging. So that is going to be required on your bomb and or your product box. So what is the story? What is the description of this? What key ingredients are in the formulation? That would be printed on your folding card, which has to be listed on the bomb. Yep. And any type of fragrance, extracts, essential oils, et cetera, that yep. may be required on your bomb as well. And so with the bomb, bill of materials, um, each, respective, each respective product or aspect to create your product is required to be put on there because that is our item number. So we can then produce your UPC code yep. to be printed on your actual component to have it be scannable at your retail stores or direct to consumer e-commerce or et cetera. So 
everything is required for your bomb. Yeah. Now, in reference of the specifications, this can go very technical um, because specifications are required for every element of a product that's created. So going back to the formulation with the lip gloss, if I'm working with the contract manufacturer, I have to be able to tell them I want more of a thicker consistency for this that has a little bit of um, glitter, flex or anything like that. And it's in our desired packaging is going to be one where you have a lip gloss bow component with the doe foot applicator. Yeah. So understanding those things is specifications, even on the formulation standpoint, because you still have to give them a baseline so they can then know what to produce. Right. And so understanding that from a formulation standpoint, that's where you have to know who your competitor is. How is it going to be differing um, product than what's currently in the marketplace? And how is this going to be different than something that may already be in your portfolio? Yeah. You know, from a skew rationalization standpoint. So we're looking at a lot of different elements, you know, from a formulation standpoint, but also based upon what that brief is or the requirements or specification is for the formulation. So like my lip gloss example, if I know that I want it to be a thicker consistency, yeah. then more than likely I'm going to utilize a lip gloss valve component with the doe foot applicator because it's easier to get the product out of the component and apply directly onto the lips versus using just a standard lip balm component like chapstick or Blistex or Carmex or anything like that. Yeah. Because the thicker formulation will not evacuate properly out of those components. And so all of those things comes down to a specification standpoint. So what are the specifications required from the formulation standpoint, which then rolls over to the packaging aspect to know what is the right packaging for the product that's being created to then know, okay, based upon the specification of the formulation, specification of my packaging, I then need to specify where it's going to be launched in the market. Right. So certain things that have to be listed going into the EU, for instance, I have to list, I have to have my Bioreus address or the representative representing my product for registration internationally. I have to ensure that I'm utilizing an EU ingredient profile list yep. that is going to be different than a US-based, only US-based launch product. So those specifications are important because then we have to think about it from a regulatory standpoint of the information that has to be printed on the packaging, on the product, um, for it to be compliant in those marketplaces, in the retail stores. So a lot of elements, we talked about bomb formulation, spe specification on various levels, and how, and how all of it really goes hand in hand with creating of a product. And then once you get the product, how does that information feed into your ERP systems for checks and balances once it comes in through the door? Because you have the specifications that's been outlined and inputted into the system. So then your warehousing, logistics and operations team has something to reference once it does come into the warehouse for receiving before it goes back out. So a lot of elements. Definitely required, but all of those things are really important to create your finished good product in the market. Okay, amazing. So now we want to touch on your integration story because this is the right segue for that. Because you know now we have <laughs> uh, we have identified you know how the roles and responsibilities are going to be of different players, different systems. So let's say if you are looking at different data elements that need to be exchanged uh, between different systems. So you had a story uh, in which you integrated, and integration is always painful in general. You know, in my experience, when you are making two systems talk, 
They all speak very different language. They all have very different data model. So describe, you know, how many systems were involved in your story and which data element had to be exchanged uh, between the systems. Oh, good question. So before we integrated any systems, everything was very manual. Okay. So spreadsheets, we had to keep track of, you know, for inventory, you know, for inventory management and product forecasting. For any type of design design or product briefs that we had to submit to contract manufacturers was yeah. all manual. So a lot of email exchanges, a lot of information getting lost or blocked because, you know, at that time, um, increasing information, you know, via email um, and time differences, you know, so that was a big bottleneck. And then three, we were manually routing our packaging artwork. Huh. So actually printing out actual artwork from the design team to then physically take it around to all the different stakeholders to have them actually look at it, review it, you know, mark off on it with their edits. And with that process, you know, you start to People lose the folders, they get misplaced, they may be out of office. Well, I can't review it until somebody else reviews it. So it starts to become a lot of bottlenecks with just the review process. And even with that, that that will take almost a month looking at the full picture of everything. And so with that being stated, we were like, how can we work smarter, not harder? And how can we start to incorporate systems Still having the human element, of course, but how can we incorporate systems as the company is growing, as our market market is expanding, and also having a central repository that anybody can access and not just limited to just the marketing team or the product development team or the brand owners, yeah. but everybody will have visibility on the same information at the same time. So it's live without holding Oh, without holding up the process. So with understanding that and seeing how we were a very manual company yeah. with our operations and processes, that is when, you know, we was like, okay, let's actually identify what are those challenges, you know, amongst all the stakeholders to then identify what is the company goal to then determine and get everybody in the room to determine with, based upon our current state, this is where the issues are. Here is the bottlenecks and here is the areas of opportunity to correct that to a future state out. And so once we actually decide, you know, showed that to everybody, all the key stakeholders, we were then able to get buy-in to say, okay, we need a packaging artwork specifications. We need a system that everybody can look at without manually routing a folder to every respective 10 stakeholder involved in the process where everybody can get it at one time. After regulatory does their thing, of course, because regulatory is going to red tape everything, but you need them. They're very important and critical to every brand. But how can we get this pushed out to everybody to help us accelerate our time frame with review processes, to get this quicker to our manufacturers, to get quicker buy-in with retailers if we're working on 3D artwork and images and stuff like that? How can we get quicker buy-in you know, with getting samples in advance, communicating directly with manufacturers? And so understanding those things and realizing those were the areas of opportunity, that's when I was able to start you know, working with the VP at the time to start vetting out various systems from a packaging artwork standpoint. Yeah. So at that time, we were exploring like 10 different systems based upon what our needs were. We end up narrowed down to five, yeah. then three, and then um, looking at their demos and you know, really fine tuning it you know, to the company's needs at that time. We then end up landing on ESCO. At first, it was Blue, and then Blue was actually acquired by ESCO, uh, which is now part of the 
which Web Center, ESCO, um, is the company now. And so understanding that we were, we rolled that out because we needed something immediate, yeah. you know, to capture the packaging artwork specifications, to capture, to have better version history, to see what was the last thing printed, you know, for production to not make costly errors once it went into production and we received the product. Because something may be like, oh, this is the, not the correct ingredient list. So now we yep. have to go and buy more bottles because it's not the correct information and such. And so understanding that and, you know, vetting the systems and getting it implemented was definitely a challenge. You know, it was not, it was not easy. You know, I don't think any system implementation is just is, is easy. It definitely requires a lot of nurturing of the systems of the team because, you know, of course, like up front, it seems like a great option. But once you start getting very technical and building it out and such for your needs and building out the workflows, you're like, oh my gosh, like this is it. Are, are we sure we made the right decision? You know, <laughs> because you, you don't realize all of it. And yeah. I too didn't realize all the aspects required, you know, with implementing a system until I was in it, right. you know? And so Understanding that and building out the workflows and working with their technology team, our technology team, uh, the ERP technology team to make sure, you know, seamless integration. And what does that look like and what information needs to be extracted from this system that I implemented to the ERP system for the company and such. So it was a very um, it was a great learning process. I really enjoyed it, Um, but it was definitely a lot of hard work, you know, and I was leading the efforts doing a lot of the user acceptance testing um, and recruiting different members and then thinking about, okay, what does training look like within the organization of this new system? Because, you know, of course, with anything new, everybody's like, well, what's in it for me? I don't have time to sit here and learn another system when I'm already scrambling long enough to just do the work in the current process. You know, I have to learn a new process, you know, so that's where understanding change management is really important to with anything that you do, right? But understanding and implementing change management and really showcasing the value of how this system can help you with your work, help yep. you be more productive, help you with not having to go and look in 10 different spreadsheets for your bill of material, having you have proper forecasting and having it embedded within the ERP system so you don't have to go and scroll through a whole Excel spreadsheet just to get proper calculations of what your product forecast should be or what's your, you know, when you're low in stock or what have you. So systems definitely are critical for sure, you know, but even with the system that I implemented for packaging artwork, it took a lot of nurturing because we launched it under Blue, but then Blue was acquired by ESCO. So then now we had to have a, to learn a whole new system, whole new process, whole new workflow internally for the system and now having to train the company, um, will retrain the company again with this new and improved system, you know, that was claimed and told to us. So it was a lot of steps required to get to that point. Um, but I definitely believe in transparency, you know, for me. Yep. At the time of implementation, I felt that transparency was vital yep. because everybody knew that it was coming. 
But now they're like, well, what's the time frame? Well, who's yep. going to be the trainer? Well, what does this look like? How does this information help me in my operation? Right. And so being able to showcase the value of the system and how we're having a central repository system, how we can start to expedite and accelerate the time frame for reviews to how this can feed into the ERP systems, yep. how we can now add on additional enhancements and features of the system to now communicate directly with retailers, communicate directly with manufacturers, communicate directly to get 3D images quicker and sooner. You know, so it be, we're able to showcase the value of it. And, you know, with any system, it takes time. It can be a headache. However, it's like you have to stick with it because at the end of the day, it's, it's definitely going to be beneficial for the company to help us get to our desired outcome. Um, but yeah, I would say my experience has definitely been a very interesting one. I really love the train the trainer aspect. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you know, with systems, if you don't have proper training in place, then the system is is not really doing justice for anybody. Because right. now I'm having to take time to figure it out versus having like a training hub internally to then showcase the value, how this is helpful. Here are some best practices. Here's the proper way to do it from beginning to end. Here's the process of all the stakeholders involved end to end. So I built out kind of like a training academy for everybody to show them if you're at this level for a reviewer, this is what your process flow is. If you're an admin, this is what your process flow is. If you want enhancements, this is what the steps are. If you want to change the workflow, this is what the steps are. This is the information that rolls up to the ERP system. This is the information that we communicate with manufacturers and retailers, et cetera. So having all of that was really important and instrumental and was very successful um, with the company during my time there. And it, you know, helps me get more clarity as well for my company of how to incorporate better systems, better processes, as we're looking at systems and trainings within teams as well um, to help with implementation of systems and what that looks like for the organization. What's the value, you know, that it's going to bring to the organization and to those respective departments and stakeholders that it impacts. So that's a little bit about my story um, and the process and what it looked like and such. But very, very interesting process for sure. Um, implementation for ERP for systems period is is not for is not for the weak is pretty much the best best way to put it. Okay, amazing. So uh, that's it for today. Do you have any super brief closing advice for our listeners? I'm sorry, say that one more time. Uh, super brief closing advice for our listeners. Okay, so I would say for anybody thinking about ER, you know, thinking about systems, definitely get everybody involved at the table. Do not build this out in silos. It is not going to be beneficial um, to build it out in silos. You need your whole team involved in the process. You want to get quicker buy-ins, get better alignment within your teams, and also to know what is the right system or systems to incorporate within your organization. So be open, get out of your comfort zone, make sure you have everybody at the table to have those discussions of current state to help you get to your future state outcome. So that would be my biggest piece of advice. Okay, amazing. And my personal takeaway from this conversation is going to be packaging industry is complex. They have very nuanced business processes. You are probably going to require a lot of different systems. So make sure you are going to do your due diligence before you finalize anything. On that note, Megan, I want to thank you for your time. This has been a powerful episode. Yes, thank you, Sam. I appreciate it. Of course. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Megan, head over to getlevelconsulting.com. It's G-E-T-L-E-V-E-L-C-O-N-S-U-L 
www.pimpping.com and check how they can pimp PIMP your packaging. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Matthew Wright, who shares his insights into specification management for manufacturers. Also, the interview with Mark Ozer from Antares Consulting Group, who discusses how to launch new products by simply changing the packaging. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.